Welcome to Destiny Revival Ministries Sermon of the Week. Thank you for joining us. You can stay up to date through our social media or give from the link in the details. We hope this message blesses you. All right, somebody say this with me, Lord and Savior. You know, uh, <clears throat> I've got, I want to start by sharing two two personal things before I get into what I'm wanting to bring forth not as a message, but rather out of a revelation or the overflow or the abundance, out of the, ov- out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? So that which is on the inside will just come forward. And, and that's what we encourage here is that the message of the gospel and, and certainly when it comes to a leadership level, at every level, please understand, I'm not trying to make one level above the others. It's not what I'm doing. I'm just trying to say, I'd rather say especially, at, that means everybody's included, but especially at a leadership level, we are uh, not of the opinion, but rather of the belief that, um, you know, when you're preaching the Word of God behind the pulpit here, it's not about you bringing some professional, well-articulated message so that you can wow the intelligence of men sitting in front of you. You know, the gospel is not a message where we wow the intelligence or the minds of men because that will accomplish nothing except uh, maybe your intellect. Are you with me? You might feel good in your intellect, but can does that carry the life of the Spirit of God on that message that is able to bring a transformation to you and your life, amen? And so, you know, and this is not a knock, but so much of what I just said is happening by majority in most of the places that you attend. Our style of leadership here is that as God grows you, that that, that the revelation of the life of the Gospel grabs a hold of you, that it begins to shift and transform your life so that when you come up to share or emanate that which God has put on the inside of you, it's not just appealing to the minds of men, it's not just appealing to your mind, but it has come by the anointing and the presence of God that has caused a transformation. So when you begin to speak, it is from the place where the seed of God's Word has produced life on the inside of you. And now you begin to impart life because you're not just sharing a Word, you are sharing something that has life and that you can impart. If it's life on the inside of you, you will impart life from the inside of you to those that are listening and under the sound of your voice. And that is where the transformation takes place in the anointing. Amen. Amen. And so I want to bring this as a subject because this is something that kind of has been in my spirit this week. and, and so much of the gospel that you and I hear, let me just go ahead and say this, the gospel that you and I hear many times has an overemphasis of understanding Christ just as Saviour. We hear a lot of the aspect of Jesus just as Saviour. And there is a difference. I'm not trying to split hairs. I'm not splitting hairs. I'm not trying to uh, uh, be, you know, that's just semantics or get technical. But the reality is, is that much of the gospel we hear presents Jesus as just the Saviour. Yes, He is the Saviour. Yes, He is the one who has redeemed you of your sin. 
Amen? Come on. But there is a whole nother level. The, 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 the experiencing Him as the Saviour is the doorway to the, to the house called destiny. Are you with me? Experiencing Jesus as Saviour alone is just you standing at the door uh, to the house called destiny because there's the Lord and Saviour is a two-sided coin. Somebody say that it's a two-sided coin. And uh, in order for you to partake of the value of that coin, by necessity, you, you've got to understand both sides of that coin. And so I will throw this next statement in. I think much, a lot, and, and without generalising, so it's not a blanket statement, but much of the gospel that you and I are presented in uh, the Western cultures, and, and certainly, look, I come from South Africa, which is heavily influenced by the Western culture. And we see, you know, that Westernized culture coming in. And I'm not knocking, I'm, I'm an American. I'm not knocking the Western world. I'm just trying to tell you that, that a lot of that. And so we have, uh, we have had a little bit of a departure where we, hear, uh, where we hear one emphasis being placed, but there is a whole nother emphasis. And, and, and it's only, it's easy to understand why we have maybe omitted Jesus as Saviour and then omitted the Lord part of it. It's very easy to understand because bringing Lord into the equation and we'll get to understand that is a whole nother ball game in your walk with the Lord once you have gone into the house called destiny because the house called destiny is where He becomes Lord of your life in order to manifest the destiny of God. And many of us are not tapping into it because we hear one thing, but we're still very much in control of our own lives we are Lord of our own lives and He is not Lord of our lives. Didn't get many amens in the house today. Let me share the first story. I call it the day I died. Many of you have heard it. I'm not talking about a physical death. I'm talking about a death to my flesh and that death still continues to work. How many of you realise that because you overcame yesterday that the enemy or, or your flesh hasn't given up on trying to get you to fail again? Every day you are fighting the flesh. The flesh is an enmity or let me just put it and make it another word rather than not use the word hearken, listen or enmity or is an enemy. The flesh is an enemy of your spirit. Amen. The flesh, say that with me, the flesh, the flesh. is an enemy of my spirit. That's why, you know, feed the appetite, feed the appetite, feed your spirit and starve your flesh. If your flesh is out of control, well, it's just an indication of maybe you're just feeding your flesh a little bit too much. You're giving it too much food. You're gratifying its desires more than you are the desires of the Spirit. And the more you feed the Spirit, the more power comes to resist the works of the flesh. Amen. Mm, I'm getting some amens in the house. Praise the Lord. 
So I remember, and here's the thing, because we can talk about, about making Jesus Lord and I can do it in, 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 in two different facets because we can be in the kingdom and we can be doing things for the Lord while we are still the Lord of our own lives. See, making Jesus Lord isn't about how much you can do for Him that makes Him your Lord. Oh, I'll say that one more time. Making Jesus the Lord of your life isn't about how much you can do for Him that is a direct, indirect proportion of Him being Lord of your life. No, no, no. It's not about how much. Making Him Lord of your life isn't about how much because you can be doing so many things spiritually speaking in your own strength and of your own accord that seem right but have no power in them and it is not an indication of, of Him. You see, the things that we get, do we get to do things for Him as a result? Result of his lordship, absolutely, one hundred percent. We do. God is not looking for you to do things for him. God is looking for you to make him lord, so that you can co, so that he can co-labor with you. He wants to work from you, and he's not asking you to do things for him. He wants you to do things together with him. And not just things you want to do, the things He wants to do. That's why it's called dying. Because the fact that it means dying, it means you don't want to do it because your flesh doesn't want to die. Your flesh is screaming. (laughs) And so I remember... You know, I got radically converted. I grew up in a Christian home, mom and dad in revival, demons flying out left, right and centre, people healed, delivered, set free all the way around me. I went through a rebellious stage and then I gave my life to the Lord in, in 1996. I surrendered my life, you know, just because I was, uh, uh, just because, uh, you know, you're a car in a garage. Yeah, well, never mind. Let me not make that analogy right now. Let me just move right along. The point of the matter is just because you grew up in a Christian home doesn't mean that you're serving the Lord. That's not your ticket. So at some point, God had to radically encounter me. And He did in 1996 with an encounter of His presence that was on June 30th, 1996. And three, four weeks later, on I believe it was the 30th or the 31st of July, 1996, God encountered me with a an encounter of the power of God that forever changed my world. And then I began to serve the Lord and somewhere along the line, you know, uh, you know obviously without, without wanting to, you know, the, 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 the drive and the desires of men, even for the ministry. Come on now, don't look at me like that. Let me just tell you right now, we are living in a society today that believers look at the ministry and without anything being necessarily preached directly from the pulpit, there is an invisible desire for popularity to get to some place or to preach behind such and such a pulpit so that you can say, I've arrived and it is like a Hollywood mentality inside of the church. And so instead of chasing the Saviour or, or uh, working, allowing Him to work through us, we are working to build our own kingdoms because we're driven just the way any other operation takes place in the fleshly world. And 
And you can have the right desires because you want to serve the Lord. And I'm not knocking. This isn't, to, uh, this isn't a rebuke today. It is just a message and a word. So here I am preaching, God starts opening up doors and my confession, you know, Lord, I thank you that, because I was in South Africa at the time and there were, you know, many large ministries, but the top three largest ministries in South Africa. And I remember confessing, it was my confession. You know, when you put, (laughs) say this with me, say this, confession works. Why do, why do I say confession works? Because the Bible says life and death is in the power of the tongue. You will have what you say. I'll say that one more time. You will have what you say. When you speak the word, you are planting. When you begin to speak things, you are planting a seed. And that seed goes into the ground. And the more you begin to focus on it and the more you begin to pray over it, the more you begin to speak over it, it is like watering that seed and and nurturing that seed in the ground. And eventually that's gonna produce fruit in your life and you're gonna get a result. For everything that we say, there is a fruit at the end of the line from an original place where the seed was planted. And so I spoke and I said, I will preach at this church and I'm gonna preach at that church and I'm gonna preach at this church. And I named the three churches and it was my confession. And you know what? God gave me the desires of my heart. God allowed me still by His grace and mercy and His favour, He still was the one that allowed me to go there. Because He anointed me with the ability to articulate and communicate. He anointed me with an anointing to to see the supernatural power of God being made manifest. The gifts and the callings are without repentance. So God allows you, but it doesn't mean, you know, you cannot measure your ministry by the gifts that you operate and that's not God's heavenly standard of measurement. I'm trying to just set the house in order so that the motivation that is governing our lives in the kingdom of God is not for fame and fortune. It's not so that we can become a household name in the kingdom of God. And if you, God elevates you and promotes you, praise God for it. But let it be from, let it be because of His anointing. Let it be because of His power. Let it be because He has formed and fashioned you as, a, as, as somebody that is like a tree planted by the water, that there is fruit, a heavenly fruit that weighs down on those trees so that others can take a bite of the fruit of your tree and say, ah, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. So here I was at the third church that I had a desire to preach for. And many of you will at least know who Kim Clement is. That's the church he comes out of a pastor. His daughter married Kim. And I was on this platform because that pastor dedicated me as a baby. That doesn't make me special. I'm just trying to give you my story. I was behind the pulpit and, and, and as I was walking and as I was being introduced, they have a church called the Jesus Dome. And, and, and it's a massive, you know, we're talking about a 10,000 member church. 
And as I'm being introduced, this is somewhere in the, in, in the you know, mid, somewhere around between 2013 and 15, 16, around there at the very latest 16, very, very latest. And as I'm being given the mic to preach, the Holy Spirit drops a bomb on me. I mean, I'm supposed to greet everybody. Hey, everybody, how y'all doing? You know, the whole usual, you get up there. Hallelujah, come on, let's give Jesus a shout of praise. I'm so glad to be in the house. We just wanna honour the man and the woman of God. We're so grateful to be here. We're honoured. My wife sends you greetings from the United States of America, blah, blah, you know, the whole deal. Hallelujah, tap your neighbour, give them a high five and say, thank you for brushing your teeth. You may be seated. (laughs) And of course, everybody else laughs just like you did and they're seated and they feel really excited for what's about to come. And so, so as I'm taking that posture, in my head I hear, in my spirit rather, I, and in my mind, uh, several things were taking place. As I was doing my little welcome thing in my head, as I'm doing this, I mean, that's how you know there's something else happening because I I was completely able to communicate here and have a communication here at the same time. And the Holy Spirit dropped two words. He said, now what? Just two words. Now what? And in my mind, while I'm greeting everybody, in my mind, I'm saying, Lord, please, seriously, now? Like, could you not just hold till, why didn't you tell me this before the service or instead after the service, but now I'm about to greet everybody. And as I'm greeting everybody, the Lord begins saying, I knew exactly what He meant. He said, now that you have got what you want, how does it feel? And I felt so excited because it was, I was very honoured. I felt excited and empty at the same time. I was very honoured to be there, but empty at the same time because I realised God does not give one single rip. And I'm saying that just so nicely for you to understand (laughs) I don't want to try and modernise it and make it, I don't want to, it needs to come out rough. He doesn't give a rip. He doesn't care about the size of the platforms that you get to preach behind. It doesn't move God that you have multitudes coming to, that you're speaking for multitudes. It doesn't move Him. And he said to me, I have allowed you to be in this place and it was my favour that brought you here. And he said these words, which is very similar to a scripture that I'll read for you in just a second. He said these words to me, when you were younger, I let you run and I let you get what you wanted. But now that you are older, and he gave me a vision just instantaneously and he took one of these parts of my belt and then He showed me, now that you are older, will you do what I want you to do? In other words, will you let me grab you and will you follow me where I lead you? (laughs) 
And so I was shaken to the core and for six months, I've had two experiences, the one that's not relating to this, but two major experiences. And this is one of them that literally shook me for about a period of six months where I quit engaging in anything until I felt the leading of the Holy Spirit allowing me to move forward. It's called walking in the fear of the Lord. We just do whatever we want, whenever we want, however we want, without any fear of the Lord. And this is not me coming in a posture of anger. There's no anger. I'm just telling you how it is. John chapter 21, verse 18 and 19 is that kind of that scripture and I'm reading it here and I'm gonna use it from the Passion Translation just because it reads really well um, and, 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 and the, 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 the meaning is still carried forward beautifully here. It's, the context is all there. Peter, listen, when you were younger, you made your own choices and you went where you pleased. But one day you, are, you will be old and when you are old, you will, uh, others will tie you up and escort you uh, in a place where you would not choose to go and you, you will spread out your arms. And Jesus said this to Peter as a prophecy of what kind of death he would die for the glory of the Lord. And then he said to him, Peter, follow me. Now, obviously we see Peter here is, there's, there's a prophetic word in the way that he's going to die and what his end would look like. But I want to tell you within the same context, it, it, it talks about His death and that once we are saved, there must be a continuous death that is working in us so that God is the only one left that can be shone through us. Paul said, I die daily. Now, you know, uh, uh, Paul, when he said, Paul, when Paul said, I die daily, Paul was not just saying he was dying to his flesh daily. Certainly that was part of it, but he was also faced with much, much persecution at the point of death. You know, he was chased by animals. I mean, he, 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 was, he had a lot of persecution coming his way. When he said, I die daily, most of that context there is talking about to the physical abuses he was taking on account of the gospel. Constantly dying and death being constantly working in him. I'm not talking about a language of death here this morning. I am trying to say that in order for God to be glorified, we must die so that none of us is glorified and all of him is. And probably about three or four years before that, as I went to take the platform again in, in the atmosphere of worship, as I was standing in the front before, just before I got up, I, as I was worshiping the Lord, I raised my hands and I saw in a vision so clearly, um, literally thousands of thrones in front of me. They were all stacked together, like just thousands, and they were spread out right next. There was no, not even an inch of space between each and every one. There were just thousands of thrones. And I knew that that was the, the throne room of the hearts of the believer. I knew that there were golden thrones and there were precious jewels and emeralds and all kinds of diamonds and sapphires and beautiful, I mean, just 
you know, no money could purchase these thrones. But as I saw these thrones, nobody was sitting on the throne. And the Lord said to me, He's not seated on the throne room of the hearts of His children. Why? He's Saviour, but He's not Lord. The golden throne was the throne of His redemption. And that He had come and done a redeeming work, but the redeeming work was made so that He could come and sit on it. Are you with me? All right, let's just move forward. Luke 2 verse 11 says, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Saviour who is Christ the Lord. Just give me a few more minutes. Are you okay? Are, are you all learned? Uh, is this okay, anybody? All right. This says, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Saviour who is Christ the Lord. The angel of the Lord announced Jesus' birth to the shepherds by identifying Him as the Saviour who is Christ the Lord. And then if we look at Peter, in the second epistle of Peter, four times it says here, Peter 2 verse 11, For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Look at the language. Second Peter 2 verse 20, For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Saviour, Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome. The latter end is worse for them than the beginning. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 2, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Saviour. 2 Peter 3 verse 18 says, But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. You see, when you allow Jesus to become Lord and His Lordship begins to work in you, then by necessity, you have also received Him in His saving benefits. Are you with me? So you can know Him as Saviour, but not have Him as Lord. And you can have Him as Lord, and if He is Lord, then by necessity, He is also Saviour. Come on, you can't, I mean, just the bottom line. The word Lord, now this is why I want you to understand Lord and Saviour here today. That it's not splitting hairs. That God is multifaceted. He is Saviour and He is Lord. These are two, two parts of Him to the same coin. Are you with me? The word Lord there is uh, uh, not that I want to get into the Greek and the Hebrew too often, but let's just go there, if you will. The word Lord is uh, in your own concordances for your own study, G2962, which is the word karios. It's the word karios, K-Y-R-I-O-S. Listen to, word, listen to what the word Lord means. To whom a person or thing belongs about which he has power of deciding or he is master 
O Lord. I'm going to finish before I make statements. Number two, the possessor and the disposer of a thing. The owner, somebody say the owner. The The owner or the one who has control of the person, the master. In the state, the sovereign prince, chief or the emperor. Karios is a title of honour, expressive of respect and reverence with which servants greet their master. And when they say Karios to their master, by definition, this is what they are saying to their master. Are you with me? From a position of reverence. And then this is a title given to God, the Messiah, Jesus, the Christ, the Holy One, His anointed, His anointed, Christ the Messiah, come on, the anointed one and His anointing. So when you say the word Lord, by essence, you are saying Master and Lord. And when you address him as master, the understanding by, by just the default understanding is when I call Jesus my master, I am also saying my owner. I am saying my possessor. I do not own myself. I do not possess myself. You, Lord, are my possessor. You, Christ the Messiah, own me. All I am belongs to you. What you say to me, I I do. You see, there there is only one thing happening at the level of you being a slave to Christ because there is Scripture for that also. He is our Master, we are a slave and He is not a slave driver because here is the pinprick I wanna pull out of this whole equation. Here is one, I I want to dismantle something that by becoming becoming a slave to your Master, by, by allowing Him by the definition of what that means, when we will submit ourselves to that at the feet of Jesus, by virtue, the manifestation and the fruits that will result in your life will be far greater than you taking possession of your own life. And the total lie of the enemy is, is that if you will do whatever God tells you to do, in a way you have been blindsided or lied to, to take control of your own life. And when you take control of your own life, you will yield temporary results, but it will never bring the joy and the satisfaction and the everlasting fruit that God is looking for. That's right. It's the work of the flesh. You own me, Jesus. You are my master. We usually take our own lives into our own hands because mentally here in the physical realm, I can't see you, He's there. I can't see you, so I'm just gonna go ahead and do this. I know Paul was in prison 
when he said, for which I am an ambassador in chains. I know that was talking about he was physically uh, in, in chains for the purpose of the gospel. He said he was being an ambassador in chains in the prison, even unto the prison places. But let me just bring that into a spiritual sense of making him your Lord, not just your Saviour, that we have to uh, like physically almost say, Lord, I wanna take a, you know, one, what do you call those, the, 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 the ball and chain, uh, uh, except Jesus is on the other side and you attach it to His ankle and then you attach the other side to your ankle as a consistent reminder that He is your master and wherever He goes and He yanks on that chain, just follow the chain. That's it. And sorry, I'm speaking like that. We're not talking Dungeons and Dragons here. (laughs) Jesus, the Saviour, emphasises sins are forgiven. And that is true. And we cannot depart from the fact of what He did at the cross for us. Jesus as Lord emphasises a reorientation in life, which includes my sins are forgiven. I'm no longer the king of my domain, Jesus is. And that reorientation changes everything. I don't do what I wanna do, whenever I want to do, however I wanna do it. My life is not my own, I was bought with the price. Come on, this is a, this is a hot topic for the, the kingdom of God. Okay, well, I, you know, I'm just not gonna come back here anymore. That's just too heavy for me. I can't deal with this. I'll just go somewhere else where I can still rule and be in charge of my own life. Bottom line. Go where you want your ears tickled. That's fine. And I'm not being mean, I'm just saying, like, come on, we either believe the God of this Word or not. Either we are having Him as Saviour and Lord or we are not. What does that look like? And I have to use the expression, how far have we come that this sounds so foreign? Jesus as Saviour impacts me personally, me. How many have had the impact of Jesus as Saviour coming to you? I think we can all say yes and amen. Amen. But that's not where it stops there because Jesus as Lord impacts me and everyone around me. Jesus is is Saviour is often deeply personalistic and privatised. You know, closet Christians. It takes 10 years for you and your mark in your workplace to finally find out the guy sitting next to you in the cubicle next to you is also a believer. But Jesus as Lord retains the personal dynamic, spreads out to impact everything and everyone around itself. It's mission oriented. It's as sent ones and seeks to reflect Jesus to others. 
There is an evidence that you are possessed. In other words, not possessed, like demonically possessed. You have been taken, he, you have become His. There is an evidence that He has taken possession of you. Come on. Jesus as Saviour affects only the so-called spiritual aspects in life. But Jesus is Lord affects all of life. It's holistic and all encompassing. It's, it's, it isn't limited to Sunday or a midweek program or more generally to the religious side of life. Instead, it lays at the centre of life and thereby orients, shapes and informs everything else. Come on, now the evidence of knowing Jesus just as Saviour is when the believer has come to the place, the only time that he expresses Lord with Saviour is in the times that he attends a program. Because outside of the programs, you would never be able to identify the one who possesses him. Come on. Now, I'm not talking about going out there and being ridiculous. You know, let's use some wisdom when we share the love of Jesus with people. What does that mean? Just by virtue of having your posture into that understanding that, Lord, You are not just my Saviour, You are also my Lord, uh, You are my Master. I mean, come on, are you with me? When you are in that place, then by virtue of your posture and your life being given to Him, your presence alone and His presence inside you, your, come on, your, you walking into a room, you will identify as you walk, oh, there's a believer. You can just see it. Just your smile on your face from somebody else that can see in the moment they ask you, why are you always happy? What's the matter with you? You're always happy. Why are you always happy? They get irritated because you're happy and then you can tell them about Jesus. Come on. Hallelujah. Jesus' absolute lordship is frequently underemphasized in the proclamation of the gospel. Amen? How many of you know the fullness of the gospel is what we need to hear? Not just a part of it, the fullness of it. The truth will set you free. And it's the ones that are walking in the realm of having Him as Savior and Lord. That as we we kind of walk with the wisdom of God step by step, as, as we follow His footsteps, that will be carried through these turbulent times. Amen. 
Some, I'm telling you, I'm just telling you, many are falling by the wayside. Many are falling by the wayside. And I'm going to be the first person. I'm not going to be here. You know, we don't come from the posture of being judgmental or critical and saying, well, you know, you're not making the, the Jesus the Lord. I'm not here to try and do that work for you. I'm just trying to tell you it's real and that only you can position and posture yourself to allow Him to measure Him, to, to be in that realm of your life. I love you. I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to criticise you. I will love you and I will continue to preach the, the truth and love. But I've got to now allow the Holy Spirit to bring that revelation to you so that you can walk in it. That's it. But I'm going to love you. I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to criticise you. Amen. Which also, by the same context, I am allowed to say, some stuff. But what I'm talking about today is the part of the biggest reason why so much of the church world in the realm of certain places of ministry, and, and, and it, affect, it can affect anybody and, every, anybody and everybody, but we see like, you know, this whole Hollywood thing inside of the church. I'm talking about, you know, people that become megastars. And they start taking on the identity of I'm a megastar. And I'm all this in a bag of chips. I've arrived. Then we become arrogant. Then we allow ourselves to slip up on social media platforms. And then we get taken down. The same people that embraced you yesterday are now spitting at you today. How fickle your crowd is. How fickle are the applause of men. They applauded you yesterday, but today they want nothing to do you. They've thrown you under the bus with all your Hollywood titles. Now, let God raise you up. Let, let this opportunity come to produce death in you. No, I mean, you know, God wants to raise God wants to raise many people. And if I'm telling you right now, you better go get rid of the skeletons in the closet. You better get rid of the skeletons in the closet because the enemy will wait for the appointed time until you become something so that he can take you down and then he can bring a reproach to the gospel. Oh, there goes another person in the kingdom of God. And somewhat I feel sorry for them who want to get the skeletons out of the closet because the moment they start talking about the skeletons in the closet, somebody else uses that as an opportunity to climb up the corporate kingdom ladder that man has created. Throw him under the bus, bury him in the ground so that they can get one more notch on their sleeve. So I tell you this, go to the desert, find a rabbit. Tell him everything you've ever done. And then shoot it. Because you're not going to find any leaks after that. I say, but you know, I'm just saying. The anointing 
and the flesh will grow inside of you at the same time if you will feed both of them. Come on. God does not mind you having a platform as long as the platform doesn't have you. God doesn't mind you having materials as long as materials do not have you. He needs to be the only one that has you. He needs to be the only. He is jealous for you. He is jealous. He earnestly seeks to have that. He, he, is, he is jealous after us. And only He wants to be seated at the, that beautiful throne of redemption. He's the only one that wants to be seated on it. Hallelujah. Come on. So don't be disillusioned when you see this one falling or that one falling. Just understand, love them, pray for them. Because if you notice, I know I wasn't critical. I'm not coming here to, to shoot somebody. He's, the person's already been shot and stoned like, you know, we don't need to throw some more stones at the person. They are now living in the consequence of that. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, are you glad you came to church this morning? Hallelujah. I'm really not done, but I guess, I, I guess the Holy Spirit said whatever He wanted to say this morning. Amen? Amen. Whew, hallelujah. hallelujah. You know, sometimes we just need to hear. I mean, you know, and of course I say a lot of things that sometimes we just need to hear. But the point is that sometimes we just need to have something like this. This is, this is, this is, this is the meat of the gospel, you know? It's going to help mature, bring a maturity. It's going to help bring a maturity to you. And I'm, I promise you, I'm ending. I'm ending right now. I'm just saying, when, when you hear yourself saying, I, 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 a little bit too often, mm, it's a telltale. If you hear yourself saying, I, 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 a little bit too much, there's a problem. That means I have control of my life. No, we're governed by He, He, He. We are supposed to be governed by He. Where He leads, I go. Where He leads, I follow. And when He, when I lead, when he leads and I follow, the blessing will abide. There's the abiding blessing, the abiding blessing. And as, as far as, listen, I'd rather be with the abiding blessing because when the abiding blessing is, it's not that, it, see, God's, God's not, not going, well, I'm not gonna bless you. He, his abiding anointing is there, but we're not putting the abiding blessing to work. God is constantly going, listen, would you stop doing all of this in your own strength and let me help you and let my abiding blessing come on you? Because at the moment, because it's essentially God's not, God's not removing the abiding blessing. We are pushing it away. And then we choose to take on a journey where we're doing it in our own strength. And that's when fatigue and burnout and failure comes. 
Somebody say this with me, Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So Father, we thank You for today. If you want ministry, of course, we, you can come up and we can pray for you if you want ministry here today. But let's just cl- close out this morning. Father, we thank You today for Your anointing, for Your presence. I thank You for Your Word. Lord, that it is life-carrying. Let it go forth into the hearts of every single person here today in the Name of Jesus. Let it produce a, an eternal change in us, Lord. Father, we don't just wanna know You as Saviour alone as Redeemer and the forgiver of sins. But Father, we wanna make You, we want to surrender back, Lord. If we've taken that Lordship back into our own hands, Lord, we wanna make You Master. We, we surrender that Lordship back over to You. Not my will, but Yours be done, Lord. Not my way, but Yahweh. <laughs> Not my way, but Yahweh. In the Name of Jesus. All those that love the Lord said, Amen. 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 Now, um, for those of you that are giving, if we can quickly do that, for those that are on the live stream, if you are giving today, uh, you can go to www.destinyrevivalministries.com. Click on the Give Today button. You can give safely and securely. If you are here, you can write out checks. If you're writing out checks, make them out to uh, DRM, Delta Romeo, whatever M is in that. What is it? What? What is it? Delta, Romeo, what? M? Anybody? Come on, somebody. Lord. Okay, sorry, I'm not exactly, I'm also guilty here. So, <laughs> but nobody's able to help me. It's like the blind leading the blind. DRM. Or Destiny Revival Ministries, write it down on the check just that way. Or if you're giving cash, there's envelopes on my right, your left. Go ahead and fill those out. Um, And then lastly, if you wanna give by texting, you can do that. You can text the word GIVE to 337-4343777. That's 337-4343777. You can go ahead and click on that. Click the word GIVE to that number and uh, you'll receive a a link where you can give safely and securely. God bless you. And then lastly, but not least, please make sure if you are interested in getting some of the Destiny Revival merch, please go ahead and fill out the forms. If we can have the forms put out there so that people are there by the offering table. So there you go. Drop an offering and and put in an order uh, for your T-shirts in the merch. Amen. Praise God. God bless you, everybody. Thank you for coming. Go in the strength of the Lord in Jesus' Name. Amen.